But we called in a coyote. Well, we went last night also. So we called one in last night. And he, he, you know, of course, you know how it goes. A coyote came in from behind us. Couldn't get a shot at him. Had three, four stands this morning. And the force, and I think, you know, he's young. He, I mean, he's seven, 16 years old. And he loses confidence. He doesn't think it's going to work. And we've been using the Fox Pro. <laughs> I have that same problem, man. <laughs> We've been using the Fox Pro and the batteries went dead in it. So I was using a mouth call and he just, you know, he just looks at me like, that's not going to work. And you I told idiot. him, I that said, I can't call a coyote in. I told him, I said, I've called in lots of coyotes with a mouth call. I said, don't, don't worry about it. And sure enough, called one in just, but he came in, you know, 90 miles an hour looking right at us. And when he swung his gun up, I mean, he went out 90 miles an hour too. <laughs> they don't stick around. Hunting for kids is, is difficult. There's a lot of challenges with that. Hunting for kids? That's a weird yeah, season. Yeah, <laughs> hunting, like getting your kids, when you're trying to get your kids on, a, on an animal. Like I, I was able to do that this year, and it is challenging. I mean, it, you had, I mean, you had really good luck, didn't you? I, I did. I mean, we did good, but, I mean, there was a lot of opportunities for, you know, I mean, like like the elk we had to kill an elk a lot earlier it was just me you know you forget how how much we handle a gun and how confident we are with that to even just shoot you know do a standing shot or you know you got elk right right below you and you can see them and it's like you just pull your gun up and get you know you know like old john wayne you know what i mean like you just learn to you just learn to, to handle the iron learn and, how to do it make it make it snappy and everything yeah and, and, you know my problem with my grandson is, and I've, I've had this discussion with my wife, I tend to make things hard. And, you know, I got to ride a mule and, you know, <laughs> ride 20 mile circles and sleep on the ground. And, and, you know, that's not for everybody. And I don't think it's for my grandson. So, I mean, I've made it real difficult to hunt with the hounds with me because it's the way I like to hunt. And I, and my dad was hard like that. My dad, if you did it something, you did it his way. If not, to heck with you. And I, I caught myself and I don't want to be that way. So I yeah. went down and I looked at side-by-sides. Uh -oh. And uh, I know. The dark side. <laughs> I know. I can't make any videos of that. But <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't let people see that, man. You'll lose credibility. <laughs> But, what are you gonna uh, name it? What, what is gonna be named like a horse blaze or something? Yes. Bestest. I don't know. I will call it what broke me is what it'll be. But <laughs> they're expensive. I can't believe how expensive those things are. Yeah, you can like buy a, a truck. truck. <laughs> I know, and I debate. You know, you can buy a nice Toyota pickup for around twelve grand. Mm. And yeah. one of those that I want, you know, with a cab and everything, costs you twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, they're. They're no joke. But, no, that, that, like you say, hunting, when you hunt with a kid, it's just, there's, there's a, it's a whole different dynamic. You know what I mean? Like, like mm -hmm. I'll take my daughter's deer, for example, you know, we got in there and first day we hunt, I mean, we've seen a pile of deer, you know what I mean? And we, we were in an area we needed a three point and she had a tag that was any deer tag for a different unit. And so we probably seen 400 deer the, the first wow. day tons of fork and horns it would have been really good box for for a kid but we, we had to find three points and uh, so the next morning i i it was funny because i was with james james van geistel and uh 
you know, we're, we're back at camp and, and, uh, Tyler Mays, my daughter, she's, she likes to sleep in. And, uh, so James like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. How, you know, how long do you want to sleep in? You know, cause she was kind of complaining about getting up early. And uh, so James is trying to be nice. And he's like, yeah, how long do you want to sleep in? She's like, Oh, nine, nine 30. <laughs> and he's like, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> How about six thirty? You know, because we got it like five forty-five the first night, and she, he, so he's like, "How about how about you know six six thirty? And she, oh, you know, he's like, "What what is he like?" He's like, "I just like to lay in bed for a little bit." And <laughs> so we compromised. But I told I told James, I was like, "You gave way too much rope on that one, man." When she come up with nine o'clock, she she's got the um, negotiation skills down. But but anyways, we're on that. So the next morning, we decided to go to her unit that she could shoot any deer. And we seen a couple of does and I, I told her, I said, you know, I really want to try to find a, like a fork and horn or something. You know what I mean? Like, well, we got time to shoot a buck or a doe or, you know, a spike or a doe if we really wanted. But I said, very first one, I'd like to try to you know, find like a forky or something like that. And sure enough, we, we find one and it's 17 degrees. You know I mean? It was cold that morning. And so we, the nice thing about some of that, that Eastern ground is when, when you got somebody local, they know all the landowners, they know, oh, yeah. you know, so we, we spot this deer and we got to go across this private property. So he makes a phone call, gets permission. And so we go across there and it's, I mean, it's cold. And, uh, she's, she was really wanting to make sure she made a good shot. I mean, that's what that was. Uh-huh. She's, she was losing sleep over making sure that she could be ethically killing it. She didn't want to wound anything. And, uh, so we get over there and I, I, we get in within, I think we're like 200, 300 yards. And, uh, it's feeding there and we're set up on it. It's behind this rock and she can't really see it. And, and she shoots goofy eyed. You know, she shoots out of her, the wrong eye. So we got a grandson does too. Man, I, I don't, it's, you know, how do you deal with that? Cause I think Colin's in the same boat. He puts a patch on his, he, he carries a patch cause he has one eye that won't focus. So he, yeah. he, he puts a patch over one eye and I'm not sure how, but he learned to shoot crossing over and using this eye. Mm, yeah and and he's accurate that way but and that's that's my daughter tyler and so we don't we don't have a patch we have a, a headband or whatever that we put over that eye and so we're up there 17 degrees we're sitting on this deer and i'm glassing it and trying to get her set up on it and well she's getting frustrated i mean and she pulls her gloves off pulls her hat off you know her thing off and she's you know you can just tell she's getting frustrated. i'm like hey babe, no 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 settle down <laughs> you gotta stay warm because it's only gonna get worse the colder it gets and and uh, about the time I was just about ready to head back to the truck and just go sit in the truck and warm up, you know, and I was like, oh, we'll just leave the setup here. And because I think it was just standing out there on a hillside, we just didn't have a, a shot. And it steps out. And I'm, I, I, I got her warmed up. I said, hey, babe, that thing stepped out there. See if you can see it now, you know what I mean? Because she was having a hard time seeing it was behind this rock. And, and sure enough, she sees it and she goes, yeah, there it is. I said, okay, well, if you feel good, let's go ahead and try and take it. If not, we'll go warm up and we'll go find another one. You know what I mean? I just tried to take the pressure out of it. And, and so she finally did. And, and, uh, boy, she, she like John Wayne pulled them gloves off both gloves. You know what I mean? Not just the trigger glove. It was like both gloves come off. And, and I was like, Oh man, she's going for it. You know, serious business. <laughs> oh, and she, uh, you know, takes that crack at it. And at this point, you know, I seen it take a couple of steps and I didn't know, I didn't hear it hit. You know what I mean? I was, I was too focused and, and and she was so anxious i was like you know okay no no problem you know and i just i told her so we'll just go take a look at it we'll see what happened you know because i didn't see it fall well james had seen it 
you know, because where it went from us, we couldn't see it. He he watched it tip over, and she just made a really nice shot. But the whole setup to get to that point, and and James, I get back to the truck, and and James is like, "Oh man, you guys had all the time in the world." I'm like, "No, no, you don't understand. We did not have <laughs> any time left. Very limited." But, you weren't in that situation. I mean, things were falling apart very quickly, and uh, and and we got we pulled it together. We got it done, but it, it was just cool. there's so many things. It's good to see them do good. I mean, that's that, that's try yeah. you try to do you try to get it where they do good, so they so they get where they like it, where they want to come back and do more. My grandson yeah. shot a shot a uh, a nice mule deer buck this last year. Matter of fact, we just got the mount back and. Uh, but it, I think it was too easy. We just got lucky. You know, we hunted on a weekend was all, but we went in the wilderness on the mules, you know, and, and we had a little eight, well, it's an eight point buck, you know, he's just stepped up. He shot him with a muzzle loader. And I said, man, you're spoiled. That, you know, it's never going to be this easy again. Yeah. It never will be. Well, is he oh, the one God. that you took uh, hunting? What was it? The Oryx? Is that what they called? No, that was, that was my nephew. Oh, okay. And that was, he's been hunting with me since he's a little bitty guy now. And he really, really likes to hunt. And he's a big fisherman. He fishes a lot now. And uh, he calls coyotes. He, he, he's up in, in uh, Albuquerque now, about north of me, about 200 miles. But he worked for a taxidermist up in Wyoming and then in Alaska also. But he's, oh. and he's, he's a lot of fun. Him and I, you know, we packed in into, on mules this year, elk hunting. We didn't do any good, but. We had a good time. He's, he loves to hunt and he likes to hunt with me and he likes to the hunt. hard way. He does. He enjoys it, you know, and, and, and I can appreciate that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems is. like if you can keep them fed and keep them warm, warm. Yes. That's over half the battle. Like the jet boil. I'll give a little promo here. Never in my life did I know I needed a piece of equipment so bad. Oh. until i got that jet boil and you can have hot food you can have hot cocoa you can have anything you want in like a minute and a half yeah oh, i'm a, i'm a i care i if you ever look at my on any of my videos if you look on my saddle i have those saddlebags in the back and they got those little pouches right in front of them one of them has one of those jet boil zips in it mm -hmm. and i can I, when i hunted with my crew he was just amazed we were up there wait, watching those dogs trail at the bottom of the canyon and I said, how'd you guys like a cup of coffee? And, and Mike said, you bring a thermos? I said, no, I got this little deal right here. And I had those little singles and, and I pulled them out and I made us all a cup of coffee. And he was just amazed. He said, uh -oh. that's something else, you know? And it's just, you can do it just like that. It, 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 there's no effort to it. Oh, hands yeah. down elk season. I think me and Brandon went through like almost a whole container of instant coffee because that's what we had. But I mean, you're cruising around trying to locate a bull at two in the morning. You got Ooh. hot coffee right now you know it was mm -hmm. have you ever used one buddy <clears throat> not a i mean i've ha i've had i have a stove it's not a jet it's not a jet boil but it you're not in the cool kid club it it boils it quick i mean it's just one, of, one of those little deals one of those little generic brands mike mm -hmm. had yeah i don't know what the brand is mike had a jet boil there and and mine wasn't too slow compared to his it, it was it, still yeah there i mean they all of they're all burning gas yeah yeah but we had my buddy dan one time had an old white white gas uh stove you know you like you pumped it up you put this white gas yeah. in there you pump. we were okay this is like 10 12 i mean this is probably shoot this is probably 15 years ago i don't know but 
we're over there on a clear cut and he's over there and, and I look over there and there's this flame like four foot high. With, <laughs> just, he's trying to turn it down and he, I think he finally went to the propane version, but he had that old, that old white white fuel cell. I mean, it was just a whole flame over there. He was warming them up. That's all I used for years. I had a, I had a heater that heated my tent that, that it, you use that fuel and you turned it upside down and lit it and it had a big old flame come out of it about three foot high. And then yeah. it burned down to a little red glow and then you'd set it in the, you know, and I stayed in a little nylon tent. I'd put it in that tent in, in, in the evening and let it get that tent just toasty warm because you can't sleep with it on in there or you'll, you'll, you know, it'll kill you yeah. and uh, run out of oxygen. So I'd warm the tent up and then in the mornings I'd just get outside, and turn it up, and put it in there just long enough, take the chill off so I could get mm-hmm. up and go. Um, My dad a long time ago. My dad just gave me one. I think it was from the Korean War. It was it's gasoline, so you can run that in it, and it's kind of the same idea. But it's a little scary looking. Like <laughs> I don't mind testing stuff out, but when it comes with flammables, I don't have the greatest track record. <laughs> but now I got those little ceramic buddy heaters. That's what you need, Brett. I got one that I use in my uh, I uh, when I truck camp. Uh, uh, Oh, that snow tracker tent I carry. It's a canvas tent. And I got a wood burn stove that goes in it too. And you can, you know, you can carry it on a pack mule. I think the tent itself weighs 23 pounds and the, and the wood burn stove weighs 22 or something. So you can, you know, one on one pannier and the other one, it kind of balances the load. But uh, there you go, buddy. We need to get buddy set up for his, his pack train. Yeah. There you go. I love to pack. You should check out those. You should check out those titanium. I mean, they're expensive. With the titanium wood stoves, they're like five pounds. That's yeah, what we I've had seen those this yeah. year, and and they're super light. Boy, they get glowing red though. I mean, and they are hot. Don't touch it because yeah. that titanium it doesn't hold the heat long. It just sends think, it out. I think Kefaru had some of those, or make some of those, or had some of those made for those TP tents. They those heated TP yeah. tents they have. Yeah, but, yeah. I you know I don't. I don't really, I, I, I've got a little nylon tent now. I mean, it's a, it's a high end one, but I, I bought some cheap wool blankets there on, on Amazon. And that'll take the chill off. I mean, and you can throw one over the top of it and it'll kind of hold the heat in, it, the heat in a little bit. So you use a canvas yeah. bedroll too, when you're out there. No, I, I, years ago, I sent away to a place in Canada and bought a, it's a integral designs bivy sack and it's like a tent you know it's it's like those those canvas bedrolls they make it's got a little it's got a fiberglass pole to pick it up off your head and then you can have the screen or whatever Mm -hmm. and uh and it's water waterproof you know so and i used it you know a lot of times when we cowboy camp and when a buddy of mine packed across the wilderness like for like four or five years in a row and uh and we did it in, in the end of November and December also. And I throw a tarp, pull up, a, I've got a Noah's tarp, and we pull that Noah's tarp up over us. And just, and mainly that's to keep the frost from laying on you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and we, you know, I always slept good. Of course, I, I don't skimp on my sleeping bags. I, I mean, this last sleeping bag I got, I paid $989 for it. I didn't this year, Brett. <laughs> I, I did skimp on a sleeping bag. I mean, it was a nice sleeping bag, but it wasn't rated for the temperature i got a 20 degree sleeping bag mm-hmm. and it was uh 
it was like 23 or 24 degrees at night. And I can tell you, I think the 20 degree is just to keep you alive. I'm not even sure that was the case. Cause I just, I, I spent all night um, studying that titanium wood stove and, and, and the airflow and the, <laughs> the burn rate. And I mean, I, I don't think I got any sleep the first night. I just had to, I, and I was, I sucked at that wood stove. But by the second night, I had that, I, I had that wood stove figured out. I mean, I was an expert. In, in, well, everyone's in. different. I remember being a kid and messing with the camp stove at Elk Camp with my dad. Yeah, that was not, not good because you had to like hold your tongue right. The dampener had to be in just so much. I mean, you get to know your gear when you're depending on it, I guess. Yeah. I tell you my what. My buddy had, go ahead. My buddy had a, a, a base camp. You know, he had a Cabela stove with a, I mean, was, that was a heavy stove, you know, and I got back into that camp that, that next day and I was running that. So it was like running a Cadillac, man. I had that thing just, <laughs> and my buddy's like, how in the hell do you got this thing? Right. I've, I've been fighting with this thing. I'm like, dude, just go spend a night up on top of the mountain with that titanium stove. And this Cabela stove is just like perfect. You can damper it all the way down and, and get that thing lasting four or five hours. And it, it had that, that, that canvas tent, you know, good tent, you know, everything. It was like, man, yeah. so much different than the backcountry stuff. Yeah, my I mean my snow tracker tent. It's a nice tent, you know. It's e it goes up easy, and uh, and then when like I said when I'm there right outside the truck, I carry that my buddy heater. So I have it, you know, in a five gallon uh, propane tank. So well, well, getting look, old, I like comfort. Was it the last episode? I think we talked a bunch about you know like how gear has changed over the years, oh, and I know man. like I remember Buddy asking me what what kind of pants do you wear when you hunt one of the first times we went out and I said blue ones like <laughs> I never knew what like you know this high quality you know technical gear I guess you'd call it and it, it is a game changer when you get into like this kind of stuff because Brett when you go out you're way back in there or buddy you yeah. were I mean you weren't horribly far out there what two miles too far uh, three three miles to, to camp uh, so I wasn't too far it was you know it was definitely hiking but it was no there was no horses or anything but it was pretty but rugged. it was enough that when you got in there and your TP was collapsed and you were tired from pack, you know packed in heavy and you get in there and your TP's collapsed you is not is like turning around and going back to the truck was enough of a thing like well let's just cut a pole and try and make let's just kind of live this right. out we're here yeah because it's like here. once you're in that deep I mean you got to depend on the gear that's the thing yeah. You know, you guys are, I mean, you have a lot of moisture up there where you're at, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, we, so cotton's all right down here, you know, and I wear, I wear Carhartts and they're no good in the rain. I can promise you that. Yeah. You'd weigh an extra hundred pounds up here. Uh, oh, at least, at least they're, they're terrible in the rain, but I like them. I can layer real well with them. They're, they're, they're rough, you know, or, uh, they're abrasion resistant for, for riding those mules through that brush and stuff. And, and they got a lot of pockets on them. I can put stuff in my pockets and I look like a farmer, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I could, I mean, I could get all cowboyed up and look like a cowboy pretty easy, but you know, I don't know. I like the car hearts. So what do you do for the dogs? I mean, <clears throat> you're just packing enough food and they got to find their own shelter or do you pack some kind of a, a pad for them? Uh, no, the females are pretty good. I just, they just, when I stop at night, they just lay around me, you know, the, the, these male dogs, these terrorists I have now, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I need to, I need to get some kind of tie outs I can pack with me. Cause they'll, 
they'll rest for an hour and then they'll probably go hunt on their own. I got to watch them. But, and I carry, you know, if I pack, if I take a pack mule, I, uh, I take some dog food. I experiment, experimented last year and I made a couple videos on it where I just went out with one mule and stayed two nights. And I carried a little bit of dog food, but not much. Cause you, mm. you know, you just can't, you, you'll soar up your mule if you carry too much weight. And yeah, it didn't work real good. You know, I, it was, and it was during the summertime or during the late summer. So it wasn't cold. Mm. You know, when the temperature starts getting down below freezing, it changes everything. You know, you, you just got to carry more gear. You got to carry. And down here, you know, you're, you freeze to death in the morning. You know, it, like this morning, we went out calling Kai. It is 22 degrees. Yeah. But, and then by, you know, by one o'clock, it might be 70. You know, so there's big temperature big swing. swing. You know, you're shedding clothes. You got things hung all over your saddle. And, and it's a, I, it, it's been a learn, you know. I've never tried any of the, like what you call the technical gear, you know, the, the, the fancy pants that, that those, <laughs> that fancy camo, uh, a guy that went, you went hunting with me. I don't know. Uh, he hunted with me quite a bit. Robert Pino, friend of mine, good friend of mine. And, uh, he, he's decked out in that, uh, Sitka gear, I guess, you know, and that stuff's expensive. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I teased him a little bit, <laughs> but, <laughs> He said, but it rained on us. And he said, you're not teasing me now, are you? <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, when you, I, you I, I'm sure you guys are probably already recording this. I've been for 20 oh. minutes. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Texas? I do. Yeah. What, what, Texas what, was fun. You went down there? I went down there. It, it, everything lined up perfect. I had a, a, for my business that I run, I had a company call me and want me to go down there and, and check out some pipeline for them, you know? And, and so I called my buddy, Cody King, and uh, I said, Hey, let's get together and let's hunt. And then, cause he, and he had told me that he had some of those old bobcat hunters down there that, that I could go interview and talk. So we lined up uh, Ruben Lossman and uh, went in and went down there and, and, sat down and talked to him and, and interviewed him is real interesting. And, and he, he hunted with, uh, Joe Rufus lion and Joe Rufus lion is, uh, Oh, shorty Gorham's father-in-law's father. I'm and, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Phil lions, Phil, the rodeo okay. cowboy, the all round yeah. cowboy. And then, and so I got to talk to him for a long time and, and, I stayed there at his place and then I got to go hunt bobcats the way those guys hunt bobcats down there. And that was real interesting. So we didn't do any good, but, but it was fun to see their dogs and how they hunt them and, and you know what they do. How do they hunt right South, South Texas or way South Texas. Yeah. Right up above Corpus Christi there. Okay. So, uh, they just, they have those big, uh, what do they call them? Senderos or what those, those roadways where they blade out. Cause it's real brushy. They got that black brush and white brush and they've got, you know, I thought we had cactus, but we ain't got nothing compared to what they have. They got that cactus and it's so thick. You can't even walk through that stuff. And I took, I took four or five dogs with me, you know, and got down there and my dogs just looked at me like, you're crazy. We're not going <laughs> into that stuff. And, 
they start unloading dogs and and i put a little video on instagram i think they start unloading dogs and i mean they can pack a bunch of dogs in a small dog box and uh, <laughs> they started coming out of there and they're the running walkers you know running type dogs and, and they uh they drive they just you know free cast the dogs but then they drive along you know and and they got the the, the carmen in the drive track you know in their truck and and they watch what they're what they're doing and they're sharp on that stuff you know and and they can tell what dogs doing what and where they're at and everything still stay in the road i can't do all that I, <laughs> that's why you I, got an autopilot on your horse i, your I got horse. my old garmin and the screens broke on it and <laughs> <laughs> and your horse yeah. knows where to go most of the time so you don't have to drive it too much well that, that mule he'll knock you off on a branch if you're not paying attention but, uh, <laughs> yeah though those guys are good at what they do and they catch a lot of bobcats so it was it was fun i'm supposed to go back down there and talk to uh uh norman davis but he's in a he's in a nursing home and that's what's kind of affecting me with what i'm doing now is because of the covid thing going on you know, it, it, it's hard to, they said, if I got a, a, a test, but you got to get the test, you know, like, and then isolate for, you know, and, until you see them, you don't want to get the test and then be exposed and then, and then go expose them. You know, that, that'd be terrible. Cause you said yeah. he's in a nursing home. He's in a nervous nursing home, but he's a real, uh, well, real well-respected houndsman. He's like 90, 92 years old, I guess, or something, but he, I'd like to talk to him. They say he's still, you know, he still can, you know, has, has got all this faculties to him and everything. So you can, it'd be interesting. And then, I, you know, I got some guys lined up in Oklahoma that, that I want to go talk to. It's the same thing. They, I talked to Otis Llewellyn. He's a, he hunted all New Mexico. He hunted with Orville Fletcher. He guided. And, and uh, now he's in Oklahoma, a uh, real fun guy to talk to him. I talk to him on the phone, you know, often. And, and uh, But it's going to be, I wanted to go next week, but I talked to him yesterday and he wants to do it after Christmas or after the holidays. So, yeah. Stan, Stan. So you got your next ones. Who keeps slamming something on the desk? That's right. Sorry. <laughs> he's half Italian. <laughs> <laughs> And they're coming out here, aren't we're they? Have to, we're going to we're gonna have to tie your hands back. <laughs> Put a coffee cup in your hand. There you go, Brett. Uh, You're blushing. Uh, we got you blushing a little bit. <laughs> I get carried away. Didn't you say those guys are going to come out and hunt with you this year too? Yes, yes. Cody, matter of fact, we swapped dogs. I left him a dog. I left him a pot liquor, they call it. And, and I took a half running dog and half pot liquor uh, that he has. We just swapped and matter of fact i taught and, and cody he, he gets to go down to mexico and run lions down there and i talked to him today and he said that he went down there and they they, they ran a lion and they got him jumped and and uh went through a game fence and they didn't have permission on the place next to him so they couldn't they couldn't go but he said the dog that i sent him was was doing good and i i told him i said i i i had a hard time evaluating that dog i didn't know i sent him to some other guys up north and they didn't get along with him and so I told Cody, I said, just, you know, do what you want to with him, but help me evaluate him. I don't know. I didn't know if I was missing something, you know, if he was just hitchhiking with my other dogs or if he was contributing or, or even if he was taken away, you know, but he said, no, he said, he's doing good. He said, you can, he's got all those, you know, running walkers. He said, when Dan opens up, he said, you can really hear him. 
he sounds a lot different. He said he's already had him on a couple of bobcats that he treat good, you know, and, and he's out there with the other dogs doing well. So I don't know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I was, you know, I wasn't surprised, but I, I had my doubts, you know, about what I was seeing in the dog myself. Are the conditions a lot different over there than where you're at? Yes. Yes. Now where we were, where we hunted, at that time, the conditions were pretty similar to, to, to here with the ex- ex- exception of the brush, you know, they, they got so much brush and we just don't have that much brush and, but it was dry and we didn't, that's one of the reasons they said that we didn't, we didn't do any good. They said, it's just so dry. They've been in a drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think down there where Cody is, you know, it's South quite a ways from where we were, you know, I don't know, two and a half hours, something like that, but in they're, they're closer to the Gulf. So they get, you know, and even then, even, you know, even now with that drought, you know, they'd have a heavy dew come in. And I don't, we haven't had a dew here for a long time, I don't think. <laughs> so When does it start cooling off for you? It's cool. Well, like I said, it is 22 degrees this morning. So yeah, this the is seven, the 70 part. <laughs> the oh, 70 wow. was the number that I was thinking about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, today it, it didn't get that hot. It only got up to 60, 60, something like that. So. You know, where earlier in the year, in the summer, you get your dogs out and, you know, by 8.30 or so, you're done. And now, you know, I can, you know, usually we trailed lion the other day and trailed till about three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So it's, 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 it's good hunting weather right now. We're dry. I mean, we didn't, but we usually are. You've been getting out a lot though lately, haven't you? You've been chasing that, didn't you say that female? Well, you know, I say that. I, say, I, I yeah, I, I act like it's just this one female that I'm having. A, yeah, there's just one over there. He's got her number. And I'm having a hard time. You know, I can trail her, but I can't catch her. So, but it's good. You know, I, you know, I was out there the other day and I had seven dogs and I had six dogs opening on a track and moving it. And I trailed all day long. So, and it was windy from the video. It looked like that was the day before. Yeah, that the day before the wind blew 90 miles an hour. And, yeah, it and looked like it was ripping. It was terrible. So and we didn't trail. I mean, we trailed across that rim and down the other side. That's where how I knew where to go the next day. So the next day I went back up there and and guessed. I thought I I thought I might have been backwards before. You know, it's just that same old thing. I thought I might have been backwards before. And I so I turned around, I went, and I thought, well, you know, you try to pretend what you know what you're doing. And I went, went to the other side, and I thought, well, that lion went down through here. Well, the dogs trailed the lion out the other direction, but we trailed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always, you know, you read the story and you talk to all those old lion hunters. They always talk like, you know, the, the really good guys, you know, they think like a lion and they know they'll look way out ahead. They'll say, that ah, lion's going to go through that saddle up there. You keep trying, huh? Don't you? <laughs> yeah, you know. I know exactly what you. days I'll get it wrong. I know exactly what you're saying, man. You're like all professional and stuff. Like, yeah, go over here. We're gonna go this way. Uh, no. Fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, I'm out there all, you know, and I'm by myself. I hunt by myself, you know, most of the time. So, it's not a big deal when I make. So he can mistake. make up whatever he wants. <laughs> and on the way home, I'll make up a big story. Yeah, you just got to get better at the storytelling part, and you could be right there. Yeah, you know, and I got the video, and I usually video every time I go out, and, and I don't, you know, everything's true. I mean, I don't make anything up. It is what it is. If we have a deer race, 
down. I tell it like it is. I said, man, those stupid dogs chase the deer. <laughs> so, yeah, I always wondered um, how, so you got the old, the, you know, the greats or whatever you want to call them. You know what I mean? And sometimes I wonder how much of that was personality, you know, because there was, there was definitely dog guys, you know what I mean? And I'll probably catch some flack or whatever for, for this. But when you look at the landscape and you go, man, that guy was good. He caught, caught dogs. But how much of it was his personality? How much was he the storyteller? that just relayed it or wrote the book or, or whatever. And he was just an average hound guy. You know what I mean? Like, I always wonder that, you know, when, when, Me too. when push comes to shove, like, you know, sometimes I think personality makes people um, or doesn't, you know what I mean? There, there yeah. was how many guys were, were better dogmen that never wrote a book or never talked yeah. to many people or whatever. And so we just don't know those guys, you know, and never got the notoriety. That's yeah, exactly, uh, you know, and those are the kind of guys I really want to talk to. And, yeah. and, and there, and I've had, since I've started doing this with you guys, I've had a lot of guys send me messages and tell me, you know, oh, so-and-so down here, you know, he, in his lifetime, he's caught three or 400 lions and this and that. And man, those are the guys I really want to go talk to, you know, and in all honesty, I've been shot down a couple of times, you know, they just say, no. They don't want to talk to me. They What's your hang up? It must be my charming personality. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's just because I know like some people I've talked to that they're humble, humble people, you know, and they don't want a spectacle. You think yeah. Some of it. Well, yeah, a lot of it might be that. And then I think it's the nature of some of these guys. They're, you know, of what we do, you know, we, they just, want to go out there and i had one guy tell me he said if it doesn't have hair on it i'm not interested in it so you know it, whether it's a horse or a mule or a dog or a lion you know that's all he's interested in he don't really care about talking about it you know so mm -hmm. you just say yes sir you know i understand and yeah go on so hmm. but i i i you know that's just then i you know they're quiet people they're they're you know for the most part they're loners i mean that's they moved That's out there of, and they left the hell alone. Yeah, and then they got some guy calling up saying, hey, you know what I mean? Put these funky headphones on you and let's talk for an hour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But Yeah, I think sometimes it takes that relationship, you know, especially if you're calling cold and you don't know them, they don't know you. I mean, I, I think that has a big part of it too. Yeah, yeah. Got to the, – the relation – like I said, it, it's all personalities and, you know, it's people. And so there's yeah. – Everybody's got a different motive, you know what I mean? And and some yeah. people don't but just have different motives and, and motivations in life and, and a podcast is not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I part. I go I you know, I have as far as my videos go, I have difficulties sometimes with myself. I it just you know, sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I think, why in the world do I do that? You know, why why do I sit here and record myself and then I work editing it and doing all the stuff and try to portray a good, you know, try to tell a good story and portray, you know, what it's like to be out there with the dogs and on a mule and this and that. And then, you know, so sometimes I think, man, that's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. But then I just think, you know, I, I don't do anything social. I don't, there's no place I go that I don't go out. I don't see people. I don't go to parties, but I make those videos and, and I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Really. I argue with myself about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> you have to argue, you go to the party, you argue with somebody else, so you can just argue with yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, I sit there and I wake up. My wife, she she's real supportive, though. She'll tell me. No, no, just keep. She's the one who kind of got me started doing it by asking me to keep a diary, you know, years ago. But I could, you know, I, I wasn't too lazy to write, but I'd video. Yeah. But anyway. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. You, uh, you got editing for some podcasts already done that are coming up. Ruben, I got Ruben Lossman. I still got to finish up with the, the trilogy of the Mexican. Yes, we do. Jaguar hunters. You We've know, been I waiting got, on that. I have Dennis Carson. Uh, uh, oh, what's, what's the guy's name up in Idaho? Are they remember. already recorded or you got to get them recorded? They're all recorded. They're all recorded. I've been sitting on two of them for four We're or five strategically years releasing them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I need to hold off on the order in which we did these. Yeah. Because we got Pavies still. Right. George Pavey, that's the name I couldn't remember. George Pavey's and uh, uh, Charlie Settles. And uh, Charlie's is just, it's a special, special one. I mean, it, that guy was a gem. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. And, and I got a lot of, I, in, I've been working on it. You know, at that time, I didn't have the best audio equipment. So, you know, some of it is not as good as it could, as it would have been if I did it now. But it is what it is. Yeah, I'll just have to go with it. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's more I want. I mean, I like I said, I get messages and emails and stuff. People tell me, oh, you should go talk to so-and-so or whatever. And, uh, one that I'm really looking forward to is, uh, uh, and I might pronounce the last name wrong, Stan Meekum. I always say Meacham, but I think it's Meekum up in yeah. Utah. I had his, his uh, grandson, I think it is, that, that contacted Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy yours better than, than ours sometimes, to be honest with you, because yeah, I, get, I right? haven't heard. It's like new for me. Well, well yeah. like CJ Prox, it just came out. That was, he was one of the first ones I had never heard of. Yeah. You know, the other guys, at least I'd, I've been in the circle long enough. I kind of had an idea. But, yeah, it's like the unsung hero kind of deal. Yeah. I, you know, except for the controversy and I had some, you know, and I, I went through and, and, and promoted it on fake book and, and sent it to, you know, and I sent, and I, I, I put a link to it on that Arizona houndsman mm-hmm. or Arizona lion hunters or whatever it is. And, and I got a little bit of, little bit of uh, feedback on it that, you know, they didn't listen to it, but they knew CJ Proc. And they knew that he kind of had that bad reputation for what he did years ago, you know. And, and so I just responded, you know, said, you know, did you listen to it? Did you listen to the intro? Because I went through the intro and kind of explained, I thought, in a decent way without, you know, without cussing him or anything or, or just saying the way it is, you know, so we all understand. And uh, well, dog work, yeah, you know, regardless of the situation, he just made some bad choices. Real bad choices, but yeah, trying to make money, you know, that's you know, a lot of guys get go down there. No, I'm gonna have to listen to this thing now because I have no clue what you're talking about. They don't mess man. around with the Lacey Act, that's kind of a big deal, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one that just released yesterday, yeah, yesterday. As we're recording, this podcast is gonna come out like in a couple weeks, a couple weeks, so it'll yeah. be a couple weeks old, but yeah, wow, that'll be close to Christmas, won't it? Yeah, I think so. We got next week. 
schedule than you got one. So I don't know, we're probably three weeks from we're recording this one early. It's December 3rd right now is what we're recording on. So by yeah. the time people listen to this, you know, I'm sure it's going to be middle of December. Yeah. We burned up the reserve on this Black Friday stretch. Yeah, well, we got yeah. some. We got a couple weeks. We haven't been, we haven't been under the gun too much on our, on our podcast. I mean, there's a couple times where we're like, okay, we're getting close to. If we're not know, two think, weeks ahead, I get worried. If we didn't have Brett helping us, we'd be, we'd be in trouble. I think you know. I think having you do one week and us do it the next week mm-hmm. makes a, a huge help for us. I know. I'm, yeah, it, 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 I understand that because with the YouTube videos, if you don't, you know, if you don't put out a video once a week, then YouTube won't suggest your content. And one of the reasons I make the videos the way I do is because I want people who have no idea about hound hunting or what it's like to see it. And, and to to see that you know how much we care for the dogs and what we do and everything, so I I need to keep that up. And sometimes it's a lot of pressure just to put out a video so you stay active with the algorithm. So they go ahead and you know push it out. So you know, and I get guys that that make comments and 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 you know, and it's working. They'll say it's a strange culture, like when some guy from India or something said that's a strange culture. And I said, well, I guess from the outside looking in, it does look strange. <laughs> it's all we know. We're pretty strange. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty true. So I, I, I think, you know, so there is a lot of pressure at that time, you know, schedule trying to get something out every week. You know, it's, it, that's tough. Yeah. Jason, what do you got going on? What's on, what's on your schedule for this month? Survive. Survive. <laughs> yes. Do as much hunting as I can get away with. Yeah. We got to actually, um, Next week, I leave for that bobcat hunt with the um, Houndsman for Heroes Foundation. We got a couple of vets we're bringing in and got bobcat hunts lined up for them. And How does that go? It's a lot of I've fun. I've never gone to one of those. It's a pretty small group of us. Um, we used to go through Wounded Warriors in action, and we were only taking in Purple Heart recipients. So we decided yeah. to start our own 501c3 so that we could take servicemen and women, first responders, you know, basically it's up to our committee to award the hunt. And then we furnish their, the expense for the Bobcat tags. We, we've got a bunch of guys that come over and we all just kind of go around the country for four days straight and try to get them all Bobcat. But it's, Mm. it's been a lot of fun over the years. We used to have it over in sisters, Oregon, like Subtle Lake area. And now this year we're doing it over in Burns, Oregon. So we'll hunt all that Burns and Riley up, up at what is it? Sylvie's and Murders Creek unit kind of. Okay. How many people show up for that? Man, I want to say last year we probably had, I'm going to say seven or eight guys, uh, hunters. And then we had three vets, no, actually four vets come in. One of them sits on the board with us, Joe Liddell and um, Heath and Laurel and Sewell or a big part of that club and getting everything, getting everything organized. Laurel does a lot of cooking and keeps the coffee hot. And then we just run nonstop. Yeah. It is a lot of fun, but a lot of times it's, it's a first introduction back into hunting after coming back from service. So it, it's really cool to spend some, some truck time with these guys. And we've had them flat say, you know, hey, they told us that this is pretty extreme. How how bad's it going to be? And at the end of the hunt, they're like, "You guys are nuts." 
that was 36 <laughs> hours and no sleep. It was like basic training again, you know? Um, but it's the hunt that I look forward to every year. I don't usually target Bobcat, but a couple times a year. And it's really cool to go spend it with those guys. And it's a good club that puts it together. So it's been a lot of fun. Right on. We'll have to do one afterwards. Are you going to try and you're going to try and record some over there, aren't you? I'm going to try to. What I'd like to do is do one with our, our organization and then do an interview with the vets pre-hunting. And then after we've ran their butts through every canyon for the next four days and do a follow-up. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we get some good weather. I don't think there's a ton of snow yet, but uh, it's a crapshoot. You know, when you're picking a date on a calendar a year in advance, we all know we're going to have it the first couple weeks of December, but you don't know what that weather's going to do. And last year they got snowed out pretty early from a lot of country. So it'll be really. Yeah. And you haven't even right on, yeah. out yet, buddy. Season's been What's open that? three days. I know. It's it's a sore subject. <laughs> sore I got like I've gone out and exercised dogs, but I haven't been able to go. I need to kind of find a good spot, but one spot that I a lot I like to go to a lot is still closed. That that whole forest is still closed. So I don't know. I may have to may have to jump on the snowmobiles earlier than I want to. I don't like you know, snowmobiles that earlier or just go hunt with coast and everybody and the brothers are going to be on the coast. So you run into a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, other hunters when you're out there. Sometimes, um, you know, I, I try, I honestly, I try to hunt during the week, which helps a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you don't see any people during the week when I can slip out, but with black Friday and this month, we've been so in the 200 release, it's just been so busy. Um, so it, but it might, it's coming. I'd like Jason, get ready. <laughs> it's going to be time where I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to turn the light switch on and I'm going to flip it on and I'm going right. to be gone. <laughs> um, well, this year's time to do it as early as I wanted to. Cause you got all that ground burned up. I mean, that's, yeah. you're, you're consolidating all your hunters in a couple of spots. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But <laughs> One way or the other, I gotta find something. I gotta figure something out. I just haven't been anxious to go find, you know, new ground and trying to learn where you can go and where you can't go and where houses. You know what I mean? Just I. Do you do y'all have a lot of public land or? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of national forest and stuff on the coast. You know, a lot. There's some timber ground, so it's just just learning the ins and outs. You kind of learn an area and. And then you, I just expand and expand and expand. So I, you know, have a lot of areas in one section, but you know, starting over is not is kind of difficult. Pretty good road system to get around in for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good national forest, and you know, there's some skid roads and stuff like that. I mean, there's some holes that you can fall into, but um, no, for the most part, it's pretty good road systems. No, or or you hunt the snow. Yeah, when I when I when it comes in, I will. So I, I try to avoid it for as long as I can. Um, right now, like I said, the, the a lot of those national forest roads up there they close to snowmobiles December first, so you can't drive on on the, the the part that's open right now. You can't drive on as of December first, and so I haven't been anxious to get. I don't. There's not a ton of snow up there, so snowmobiles are not quite useful yet. Um, so like normally right now I'd be hunting from the bottom, you know, on the lower ground and hunting up 
into the snow. We got enough snow at some level to be snow, but normally, I mean, in December, you, you're not on a snowmobile. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a snowmobile till later in January when. Just when in a four wheel drive pickup. Yeah, yeah. But right now, you just can't. They got, I mean, that that whole Mount Hood National Forest where I, I hunt a lot is just closed. I mean, just I don't know if they're, I don't know if it's going to be spring. I, I don't think this season they're going to have the that lower side open. How about the eastern side of the state? Is it's it's kind of deserty, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's more open open timber. That's another option, you know, traveling over there and and you know setting up and hunting different areas. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to. I'm not just pick a map and be like, well, that's where I'm going and go start learning a new area. Are are you are you rigging or boxing as y'all call it, or do you put the dogs on the ground and and road them, or do you just look for tracks? How do you how do you start a track? All of the above. Whatever's working yep. at the time. So well, I'll uh, I'll try to box. You know, rig them off the truck. You know, but there'll be times when when I'll put them on the ground and and exercise them and let them start one off the ground. And there's times where you know I'm hauling ass somewhere else and they're they're inside the box and the, you know, they'll blow up. I'm like, well, if I, if I can turn loose there, I'll, I'll do them that way too. If it's really raining hard or something, sometimes I'll let them strike from inside the box, you know, and just open the, the side doors up and, and drive around and they'll, you know, normally I'll have a dog or two that if I don't wear them out too much, they won't go, you know, they don't curl up, go to sleep. If it's, if it's really hard and I'm just roading them really hard and rigging them and they get wet and cold, then a lot of times they'll kind of curl up you know, in the box. So I try to, it all depends on the conditions. You know what I mean? Like if it's, if it's really rough conditions, I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll try to box them a little bit more and keep them warm. So they hunt longer for me. When you say rough conditions, what, I mean, what, what do you mean by rough conditions? Um, just pouring rain in, in, oh. or, in, in, or get really windy and cold. And so that, you know, it, I can, they'll rig and they'll go through that stuff, but at some point they'll be like, okay. And then, so when I let them in the box after that, then they curl up, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, okay, sure. I'm going to curl up, warm up. They're not sniffing. So if it, if it starts to get rough where I'm like, oh, they're going to curl up and I want to keep hunting. Sometimes I'll, I'll put them inside the box and open the, open the side doors up and then they'll stick their heads out and I can drive around and cover some more ground while they're still hunting, you know? So it's, it all just depends. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. just conditions that I, I try not to get them to the point where they want to just curl up and go to sleep. You know, if they get either really windy or cold or, or, you know, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, they, they mostly want it. They want to catch a cat worse than I do for the most part. Mm -hmm. Does it, does it get too dry to box or rig out there or? I think you have more success, you know, with them on the ground and in warmer weather warmer sure. drier weather yeah for sure for sure but um th there are some dogs that are just better at striking you know what i mean and so you can have dogs that that you you know there'll be times on road and road and road and put them up in the box and driving out of there at mach 40 and just the box mm -hmm. just up. you know so i don't know well, and then there's other dogs that you can't hardly road because they stop every two seconds you know they're looking at everything that's got any kind of scent on it and it's just a pain in the butt yeah that's what i used to even rig dale when he was alive i'd, I'd rig him because he was really cold nosed and then i'd rode everybody else in front of the pickup 
So there were times we'd start ones with him off the rig because he could catch it on the wind and go out, you know, two, three, four hundred yards, whatever, to get the actual track going. And then if it was close on the road, the dogs in the road would get it started. And you uh, now are you talking about rigging bobcats or foxes? Because I know you like to run. We were running foxes then. Yeah, okay. I'm sure there were some cats in there, probably an elk or two. I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've rigged everything. I've rigged cows all the time. Yeah. <laughs> How do those things run, Brett? <laughs> well. <laughs> they bay up. <laughs> I got some stories about that, too. But. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. That rigging, you know, I rigged a lion and uh, I, I had that guy with me. I think I told the story and I, I whoops, sorry. And uh, I, uh, you got restless arm syndrome. That's not even, they got the restless leg it. syndrome. And well, when I start telling a story, my arms go everywhere. But, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even know it was possible. I'd heard guys do it, but I didn't know I could, I could do it. And, or I didn't know I had a dog that would do it. And, uh, Sure enough, she rigged a, a lion. The guy said, are you good paying attention to that dog barking back there? I said, ah, they bark at everything. And he, he said, no, she's smelling something coming out of that canyon right there. So we went down, his little hairpin turned coming off the pass up there. And I let her out. She ran up the canyon a little ways and started opening up. We went up there and there was a, there was a lion. She rigged her lion scratch is what it was, a lion scrape. And uh, she couldn't trail it. We couldn't trail it, but she could rig that scrape. And that kind of opened my eyes. And so I'm real interested in that, wondering, because he said, he said, you know, he said, you could drive these, because there's one road that goes, so we don't have a good road system, but, right. you know, there's places where you could go and, and, and maybe do that. We need to do an episode on rig dogs, because that is such, it's such a, uh, oh, I don't know, concentrated group of skills, I think, because like, I've seen dogs, you've got a dead bear on the box, you know, coming out from a tree and you'll rig another bear on the way out. Yeah, like, like they differentiate between the two. Like a, a rig dog, it, it is such a cool thing to see. <clears throat> I didn't know that you couldn't rig. Like when I first started, everybody I hunted with, you had rig dogs. Every dog did it down here. It was just, I don't know if we've hunted them that way for so long that it was just bred into them. But I had no idea there were guys that couldn't rig a track until I started getting outside of our, our little group. So that was yeah. a whole new world for me. Yeah. Yeah, the further east you get, like, you know, even like back, you know, years ago, we had a lion tag in, in eastern Washington, and I was told several, oh, you just can't rig, you can't rig a cat here. Oh, you just can't rig a cat here, and uh, so I, I didn't know. Anything. I was like, oh, well, maybe you can't. But we'd, we'd strike him out of the box, just you know, drive down the road, and like, oh, and I was like, okay, and you know, go up there, and sure enough let them loose and there was, you know, they'd, they'd rig a track and it wasn't like they're rigging the animal, you know I mean? They were rigging a track. And I think, I think some of it is it, it's kind of difficult until you get it established. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so over here on the West coast coast for us, it, it's such an established practice mm -hmm. that, that there's a plenty of dogs over here doing it and keeping that learned. Yeah. It's a learned behavior. I think, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and so sometimes I think it's, it's not as well known because you just don't see it. And I mean, for the longest time, it, it took a while for me to get a dog that would rig, you know what I mean? They'd, they'd be quiet and, and, and they'd smell it, but they wouldn't bark on it. You know what I mean? So it is kind of, I think it's something that can be overlooked to think, Oh, you, you can't do it. But, and, and I'm sure the conditions make things more difficult. You know what I mean? I have no doubts mm -hmm. that in the drier conditions, it's not as easy. Um, 
you know, the scent acts different or whatever, but, but, uh, I've, I've just, you know, same with, with Canada, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, we, we don't rig them here. You know, is, is what I've heard a couple of times and, and it's just the way they don't hunt, you know, they, they look for the track, they put it down on it and, and not everybody, but, um, coming from our area, I think it's just, it's so productive. It, we don't have snow, we don't see a track. And so we've had to, to use that practice a lot more and uh, ground. Yeah. But, but it takes a while, but having a good dog definitely makes a big difference. A, a rig dog. And there's dogs that don't rig. I mean, there's just absolutely yeah. dogs that, that will. And sometimes we have dogs that don't rig until another dog that rigged, you know, I, I've seen it where one dog wouldn't rig, you know, the rig dog was, was uh, a certain dog. And then once that, dog that always rigged the track went away the other dogs would step up you know maybe they got tired of passing cats you know so they were smelling oh, it yeah. and they were getting tired of passing it was like hey 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 you know there's there's a track yeah. back there yeah and well, if you don't bark you don't know when there's a hole to be filled in the pack i because i've seen that happen personally with me too is you got one that steps up to rigging but i think you can tell a lot on a rig dog because a i mean they bark so it makes it a lot easier but you learn that dog a lot faster because he's telling you or she's telling you there's something here and then you get to focus on that body language. Like I could usually tell you when my rig dog was going to strike, you know, a quarter mile down the road before he would do it. Mm -hmm. Or if the winds were shifting, right, you could watch them or they'd tap the back of the cab with their foot or, you know, they had these little nuances that they would do mm -hmm. that you knew something was coming. And that's when you start really analyzing what's coming down the path you know, where you're at, if you need to take a right or a left, if you need to hit the ridge or the bottom, hmm. it's crazy how complex it is, I think. Well, you yeah. know, years ago they had, uh, that was the big argument, you know, on the, on the, on the big game hounds, uh, or on those guys. I mean, there's guys that just swore, said, you cannot rig lions out here in this country. You just can't do it. It's too dry, it's too dry. And I got an interview on, and I don't know if I published that part of it, of uh, Tommy White and Don Milton, they said, "Oh yeah." They said, "We've rigged lines." He said, "You know, fresh lines. It's not. It's not. You know, you're not going to rig an old track. They rigged them and caught them." Yeah. So, yeah, that was the one. The lion I, my first, you know, lion I, I got was rigged out of the truck. You know, I mean, I was like, I knew there was a track there. You know, what I mean, I didn't see it, and because it got to the point where we were just tired of looking for a track, and I was like, "Well, we didn't drive over here, you know, to hunt." to just drive around with the dogs in the box for because we had a hard time finding a track and i was like well we're just gonna hunt like we normally do and if we catch one we catch one if we don't we don't and and uh the dogs did just, just fine you know i mean we found some tracks that we would have not we would not have seen you know if we were just looking mm -hmm. for them we would have not seen those tracks and so um so, you know it's kind of a uh, you know after after that time with with mike when when my dog did rig and he he told me to go check what what was you know let her out and and see what was going on i wonder how many times i've i've oh, drove right, right back because i had a, you know when i lived in the mountains i was in there eight miles on a little two-track road to some you know really good lion country those dogs had bark coming out of there going in there if i went somewhere else i'd bang on the door and tell them to shut up <laughs> there's no telling <laughs> yeah you never know i mean i yeah there, but there's times you need to say that too because i mean i'll get mine my dogs have a tendency of barking 
after I put them away, they bark mad, I think, at me a lot of times, you know, so I have to get on them for that, you know, but if it, it was like, yeah, they're not, they're not done. You know, they know yeah. that, you know, like, especially when I'm exercising or something like, okay, I got to go to work, you know, so, so I'll take them out and run them a while and then I put them in the truck and, and they, they're upset. They, they are upset Crazy. that they know it's like, no, nope. it's like, they know, they, they know the routine. They know that we're heading for the gate and, uh, and, uh, they don't like it. Yeah, I, I mean, now that same female that, that rigged that lion, she also will rig every time you go over a cattle cart. So mm-hmm. that, that bump, just bump, 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 she'll just holler back there. <laughs> it's like a siren. <laughs> but I don't get after her anymore. I don't what say, is she saying to you, Bart? What, is she, what do you think she's saying to you? I, she's saying, yeah, that, that's, I don't know. She, she just, it's just a habit of her. She's an old dog, too. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't get after her anymore for it, though. Yeah. So I would just give it, just let the dog be quirky. Some, you know what I mean? At yeah, some point, you're just like, yeah, whatever. I think we all get that routine. It. You know, it's like, I, you'd swear my dogs know what color their collar, like I'm holding it in my hand. Like, but it's just because I collar them the same order every time. You know, we hunt yeah, the just, same yeah. way. So like when you go out of the country or out of, out of your local area, I mean, buddy, you've always found yourself going back to hunting the way you usually hunt, right? I mean, you make minor adjustments if you have to, but those dogs that know how to hunt a certain way and in a routine, do you find that if you try to deviate from that, it's a little different story? Yeah, it gets frustrating. Like, like, um, even, even to the point of like, I mean, there was one, we were calling a cougar and we had to walk into it. So we walked them in and the dogs, you know, so it was free casting. We were walking and, and the, the dog went back to the truck, you know what I mean? So we were walking in somewhere and the dog, you know, luckily there was, there was somebody back of the truck that could put her in the box or whatever. But, you know, they, I think they, for, at least for me, they get used to the truck as kind of base. And so, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, as I'm on foot, you know, half a mile from my truck and she, she made a loop or whatever. And, you know, she, she didn't, we, we ended up catching that cougar, but that dog was out of it because she made a loop, come back a, a road and, you know, didn't follow my scent, but rather went back to the truck you know checking there or whatever and what so that was a a missed opportunity for her she didn't catch the cat because she she went back to the truck which is normally what you want what what uh, you know i normally i'd be in my truck so so i was kind of well how did she get separated from you how did how did that happen uh we were walking in and so we had to walk in about a half mile three quarters of a mile to you know we had a telemetry system on the cougar so we knew where we were going and and of course you know I, I probably could have leased them all the way in there, but you know, I just, just let them. So they went out and started checking and, and hunting and, and going out. So they're and just they, not used to free casting with you on foot like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, okay. So on foot going that far in on foot, you know, they went out and then cause we were walking old skid road. So she went out the one, one Y and, and when she hit the other Y, she was only a couple hundred yards from the truck. And so she went to the truck to check for me. And of course somebody was there. So they, you know, put her in the box. You know, they, I don't know if that dog would have turned around and come back and found you found me probably. I would assume so if there wasn't somebody at the truck that, that, uh, put him in, you know what I mean? Like at, at some point with traffic and stuff, I was like, yeah, just throw the dog back in, in the truck. And well, I've had it both ways where, you know, they'll either go back to the truck or they trail me up and find me. And yeah, and I've had them get out, you know, climb out of the dog box of like 
that Dan dog, you know, he had sore feet one day and, and uh, I wanted to leave him in the dog box. And, and I took off that morning and he figured out a way to crawl through one of those little bitty holes and he trailed me up and found me. But I've had him several times and do that. I've seen uh, one of the Bart's dogs, I think, chewed the box open. It's pretty much like chewed a big old <laughs> hole in the wood box. I was like, yeah, we're getting out of this. You get back and your box is destroyed. That is the yeah. worst feeling. I hunted with a guy like years ago when I first started, one of the local guys here. And we went up hunting, ended up loading dogs up, and we were waiting for one of his to come in. And he had a, a fox carcass because he caught a fox earlier that day. And he was riling everybody up in the box, getting them barking at it, hoping it would draw that dog in. Well, apparently, Paisley, uh, she found her way out of the dog box without us knowing it. I drove all the way home with him, got home unloading dogs, and I said, I'm missing a dog. Like, I don't know where Paisley is. And that was about 50 miles, uh, at least a road, you know, and a bunch of it was interstate. I was freaking out, so I drove back up in there, and she was sitting right there in the tire tracks, curled up. <laughs> oh, really? Any <laughs> escape artists are not fun. No, yeah. no, no. But cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I got an appointment here. I got to go get a, a haircut. Uh, so I'm going to get out of here. I don't know if we're all done here or you guys got more to cover. We could talk for hours. We can wrap this one up. Yeah, no, that, that was good. I don't know. I, I kind of worried about what I, the stories I told prior to knowing I was on line here. Yeah. Uh, you should know better by now. The kids. Uh, You're all good. Uh, I'll send it to you. He still second. likes you. He, Grandpa still likes you. You didn't say nothing <laughs> okay. to me, Dad. Uh, so. <laughs> now he's yeah. going to be after me by that side by side. Yeah, now he knows you were looking at it. It was that was just so you're saying there's a chance. So exactly. he's gonna think right there. So you you uh you just have him out coyote hunting is what you he's wanting to kill coyote. Yeah, you know, used to way back when I had my wolf hounds, I called them, but they're stag hounds, coyote hounds. Yeah. That's what I did. I called them in. We don't have as much open country as they do like in Nebraska on the eastern side of New Mexico or Oklahoma or Texas. You know, the way they, they ride around and, and, and uh, dump them out of a box. You know, they spot a coyote and, and run them that way. Well, of course, I like to ride. You know, I like to ride a horse. I like to ride a mule. I like to ride through the country. That's just something I really enjoy. So, shoot, I started calling coyotes like that. I would, I would uh, back before Fox Pro was even around, there was a guy on the Internet named John Henry had a website called the Coyote Gods, and he came up with a remote uh, – caller prior to fox pro and it was done with an, a zodden remote and a johnny stewart converted caller and you know those little mp3 players we used to have and you needed a wheelbarrow to take it out there and uh i started calling coyotes with that first and bringing them in so the dogs could run them and catch them well then after the fox pro came out i just started going out with on on horseback and i would carry that call around with me and i'd hang it in a mesquite or whatever and try to set up ambushes for the coyotes and this is a lot of fun but that that kind of ruined me no oh, yeah you got any uh, cats come in on those that's the one i caught she came in on a on a on a call i believe i don't know exactly how it happened because i had set up like four stands and uh the fourth stand the dogs they perked up and took off i got a video it's on it's online that's it's 
I think it's called Last Hunt of the Year or something. I, I, I filmed it before YouTube was even around. And oh, yeah. uh, they caught that lion on the ground. Those stack counts did. But, wow. Yeah. So I oh, but that was a rodeo. It was fun. It was, I mean, it was, I'd say it was fun. It was, <laughs> it was so exciting to me because I'd been, I'd been lion hunting before. And then back, you know, in the eighties, I, I was always trying to get some kind of dogs to hunt lions and I'd never had anything that would trail in this country. And, and then catching that line with those dogs. I mean, it just, I said, wow, this is Got something the hooks. else. Yeah. And they were, you know, and it wasn't a big lion and I had to get off and, the dogs were wrestling around with it, and I had a big old uh, kind of a old calico-looking dog named Joe, and he had to attack anything. He had that lion by the throat. They're screaming, and I had to get off and shoot the lion. So, but hmm. it was fun. I mean, that's it's like I said, it ruined me. <laughs> but anyway, so I call coyotes. So I end, I, I spent a lot of time calling coyotes, and. Uh, I know my grandson likes to do it and it's something that's it's easy you get to sit in a warm truck going out there you know you're not on a mule and it, it, it's something that i think it's a good way to get kids hunting you know it, it's, it's a gateway fast. yeah and 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 we got we got lots of coyotes i mean it, the ones they fly a plane you know the government flies a plane and shoots them out of the air so yeah they try yeah we were up there hunting with my boy and james shot one you know it was, it was, it was quite a ways up and uh, he wasn't going to go retrieve it, you know, because, you know, he's on pr private land. So they were, you know, had calves and stuff like that. So anyway, my boy gets back and looks at him and James like, oh, crap, <laughs> I guess I got to go get it. It was all, <laughs> it was way uphill. It was a steep, big old steep hillside. And, and James kept, every 20, every 20 yards, he's like, is it right here? I'm like, keep going up, keep going up. He had to go all the way to the top of that hillside. He was tired. He was beat. He's like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that you know, and that's another thing is I want I want him to learn how to skin them and yeah, and and you know value the what they have to offer you know value the fur or whatever whether it's you know if you can only get twenty five thirty dollars a piece for them down here but at least you could send them off and have them tanned and hang it over the back of your couch or something mm -hmm. yeah but interesting all right Brett well we're gonna let you go okay that's good we'll hear your uh, you got some cool podcast coming out we got this will be our i think we're gonna see this mid-december by the time we launch it and and uh we'll have to do it again I, I it's been fun doing this podcast we haven't we haven't got to the year mark yet mm -mm. how many have we have you put out you know or 32 i think yeah Is it 32, wow. 31 i'd have to look i think it's right around there 31 uh yeah 32 it looks like yeah wow. and we got huh. a couple like so we got we got plenty of guests that we just need to line up and just get done. You know what I mean? Enough for us. So. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I got to thank the guys that have been supporting me on my, on my YouTube deal, you know, and they really enjoy the interviews and, and they've, they've helped me out. I had a guy send me an email today that bought some of my cups and stuff and because now, you know, I've kind of got all the guys close to the house or close to here covered. So now I'm going to have to, start traveling a little bit so <laughs> and i you know and i got to do it in person i can't do it over like like you like we do it you know like no that is a nice thing but i, I tell you doing it in person is much it, i don't Way say better. easier but man the quality in the the conversation is better for mm -hmm. sure i think so i think so i like so. to sit down and talk to them i mean that's well they forget the headsets on after about the first two minutes yeah, as soon yeah. as you get somebody talking, it's like 
legitimate. They just forget about it and they're talking like they would any other time. And yeah. And that deal y'all gave me or uh, that you told me to buy or whatever that you can adjust how much they hear. Mm-hmm, and yeah. and it, oh, it makes all the difference in the world. Those, those old men, cause half of them can't hear very good. And you put it on and, and tell them, say, well, you're going to be able to hear, you know, just tell me where, you know, and you talk and you turn it up. And, oh, they, that's just like having hearing aids. Oh yeah. 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 So it works real well. All right, man. Well, I got a phone call coming. We'll talk to you guys later. All right. Ready See to ya. Take care.